welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. Joseph, you need to be reminded of this, to remember your place. And this is Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll pause there. Um, In early culture back then, if you were betrothed in marriage, it's not the same as engagement today. If you wanted to break off that, to break off being betrothed, you essentially had to file a paper of divorce. So the word engagement doesn't work well. It should be more of, they were betrothed. It was like marriage. Um, But he was righteous. Joseph was saying, before they lived together, before they had sexual relations with each other, she was already found to have a child with the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, he planned to dismiss her quietly. That in his kindness and that culture, he said, I'm just going to let this go. Because she's pregnant and it's not mine, so I think I know what's going on here. And I, I can't be a part of that. So I'm going to let this, I'm just going to break it quietly. I don't want to shame her publicly. But just when he had resolved to do this, he had made up his mind, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. He was afraid to take Mary as his wife. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. He had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son. And he named him Jesus. And check this out. Conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will save the people from their sins. Did you hear that? You will save us from our sins. You will be, you are the Messiah. And, and I've been chosen to be the Messiah's Papa. I do not know how it will happen, but I'm, I'm done doubting. I want to tell you how happy that you make me. No, it's more than happiness. It's, what did the shepherds say the angels told them? Oh, they, they bring Good news, great joy, yes, that's what it is, it's joy, that's what you bring me. my sweet, beautiful boy. joy. Yeah, because it, it kind of lets you humanize Joseph for a minute and see what it must have been like that night when they had the baby with them. And it's a good reminder that Advent is a time of preparation. It's a time of, um, to, to prepare means you kind of, you're kind of being aware of the situation and accepting it as it is, not as you wish it was, but as it actually is. Um, to, and to know when to abandon business as usual and when to prepare for what things actually as they are. And if you notice in the video, Joseph says, I'm done doubting. And that's a good acknowledgement that Joseph's a human being, and any man in that situation would have doubted maybe what they were hearing. Oh, sure, the baby's from the Holy Spirit, right? And, and you know, so there's there doubt there, but it, you know that he needed to remember his his place in in God's plan, because the opposite of preparation is really can be pretending. If we're not preparing, we can just be pretending to prepare. Um, Joseph had probably heard Mary tell him repeatedly, this is the, the child. You can see my stomach growing. This is where the baby is from. But Joseph had a problem. He, he was wrestling with that. And he didn't know what to do with it. He had heard obvious signs from God. But still he planned on breaking the engagement, which would have been a social um, not a disaster. It would have been a social issue, especially for her, but even for him as well. See, I'm sure he kind, of, he kind of told her the way it was going to be. Like, Mary, come on. He kind, maybe he's a little bit dismissive. You know, that he, he needed to remember his place as a husband. And there, ladies, there's this thing called mansplaining. I mean, let me tell you what it is. That there's irony here. I hope you pick up on it, okay? It's just when a man who has no shared experience with women whatsoever then begins to tell them how to live their lives and what's really going on. And Joseph very well could have done a little bit of mansplaining with Mary and dropped some of that 
on her. Let me set you straight, Mary. But it was the angel's message that really got his attention. It reminded him of his place in his role that he was supposed to serve in God's plan. An angel, which the word angelos in Greek literally means messenger. A messenger was sent to Joseph to challenge Joseph how he saw himself. To make him remember his place as a man and as a husband and as a believer in God. The angel even tells Joseph what he's going to name the child. They're probably the first parents in history that didn't get that opportunity. Because they're, they're really adopting Jesus. Because when Jesus is on earth, he, he's not going to submit to their earthly authority. They were not his master. But they were to name him Jesus because he already had a name. He had always existed. And Joseph had to remember his place as a husband, not to condemn Joseph, not at all. Actually, I have sympathy and understanding for where he's coming from. And to Joseph's credit, he does as he was commanded to do. Because God needed Joseph as much as he needed Mary in this situation. Because Joseph's lineage is directly into the line of David, going all the way back to Abraham. And this is foretold in the Old Testament repeatedly in 2 Samuel 7, Isaiah 11, Jeremiah 23. They all say that the Messiah would come through the line of David, starting with Abraham. So maybe Joseph had to remember his place genealogically as well. If you read Matthew chapter 1, the very beginning, there's a whole genealogy listed. Matthew is more of the Jewish focus of his writing. The other Of the four Gospels, Matthew is the one that tends to focus more on the Jewishness of Jesus. And we see the, 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 all the line of, of, you know, basically the family tree. And we, we might tend to gloss over that as Americans and kind of skip that part. And, but, but it's important not to do that because not only does it point to Joseph as the father on earth... But in the ancient world, your genealogy was like your resume. A lot of Hebrew names would mean son of so-and-so, and so it would show where you came from. And also these genealogies are important because it roots Jesus in history. It shows him as a flesh and blood human being, which he was. The, the Gospels don't start with once upon a time. The genealogies point to the fact that, God, that Jesus was a real person in time. And these genealogies show that men and women, through it with some very checkered pasts, the line of the Messiah goes through people like David, you know, a murderer and an adulterer, um, through people who are outsiders culturally, like Rahab and Ruth, through prostitutes, Tamar, Rahab. Jesus' family tree was not perfect men and women. So as you go into your family gatherings this holiday and you're overwhelmed with your crew, with your family, maybe you want to go lock yourself in the bathroom and you can rock, rock as you say, Jesus has had a messed up family too. Jesus had a messed up family too. His family tree was pretty crooked too. Records like that, though, they resound with God's mercy. That God's plan of the Messiah went through the messiness of people in, the, in our world. But Joseph needed to be reminded of his place. That God had a plan for him, his lineage, for him as a husband. That's a good reminder for us husbands, too. Not to be dismissive, but to be 
uh, sensitive in listening when our wives speak to us and in processing what amen wives come on right you're like yeah come on someone finally said it but everyone has a role to play and Joseph was no exception now Christmas also is, is important because it reminds us of our place just people in general whether you're religious or not the story of Christ coming as a child it reminds us of our place of the truth of how we view ourselves. And what I mean by that is, if God came to save bad people, then it would mean that we would have to admit that we're bad people. That if people are originally good, then why would we need Jesus to come at all? Yes, we're originally loved by God, but we're not originally perfect. We're not originally holy. We had to have a Messiah come and make that happen for us. Now, anyone can have peace with God. They can have it. But they have to remember their place. That we are sinners in need of forgiveness. To stop pretending. And to prepare a place in our hearts for Him. But many people today, they don't want to admit that they're sinners. We don't want to do that. Now, I'm going to quote a very prestigious publication, People Magazine. <laughs> they did a poll a few years ago, and it was called their, their Yearly Syndex, where their readers could submit what they felt like were worse sins than others. And you could rank sins. It's People Magazine. But on their scale of their Syndex, of course, murder, child abuse, spying on your country, treason, is on there. But they also ranked parking in a handicapped spot as worse than adultery. <laughs> and they also asked the question, how often do you sin? Do people sin in general? And the answer was 4.64. <laughs> now you might think, is that times a day? Is that an hour? Is that a week? No. The poll meant, they meant 4.6 times, the average American sins, 4.6 times a month. Once a week, most people believe people sin. So if you're that good, why do you need Christmas? Why do we need baby Jesus to come? If I'm okay and you're okay, why do we need him at all? See, most people today, if they're not following Christ, if they don't have a Christian biblical worldview of morality and reality and ethics, then what happens is they replace it with moralism or relativism. And both are pretending instead of preparing. They're ignoring what's actually there. Moralism is essentially the idea that you can save yourself through your good works. This is very popular. This makes Christmas unnecessary. Why would we need God to become human in order to live and die if we can fulfill the requirements of righteousness ourselves? Moralism is the sort of worldview that says, just be a good person or forgive yourself, even though God is the only one who can actually forgive sin. Now, I know that you're saying when you say forgive yourself, you need to get over it and move on and have freedom. I get that. It's a good thing. But ultimately, only God can forgive us of our sin. And to be, uh, to have the worldview of being um, moralistic is essentially the idea is that no one is really lost. That everyone should determine their own light and to determine what's best for themselves. That 
that here the problem here is that if if we all have a God of love that just uh, accepts us as we are, it's just that's what many modern people believe in. Um, it's the sort of idea that my light is the, my light, and your light is your light, and we can determine what's good and bad based on our own opinion. Um, the issue with that is that's not the God that's in the Bible. This sort of God would never have bothered to come in the incarnation, God becoming flesh. That sort of God, if, if it's just live and let live, then why would God come at all if we're the, we determine what's right and wrong to begin with? That's not the God that's in Scripture. We have to prepare our hearts to see that, yes, we're sinners. We, we do leave, live in darkness. As that song, Is He Worthy, said... Do we need a light in the darkness? We do. We have to stop pretending and start preparing. The speaker, Rabbi Zacharias, he's a traveling uh, evangelist and preacher. He's a wonderful, probably the smartest person, one of the smartest people in the world. He um, was raised in India as a Hindu. And he came to Christ as an early young man, his early 20s. And it radically changed his life. Um, he was suicidal. He was deeply unhappy. Jesus changes his life in the early 20s. And then he goes on to have this worldwide ministry that God gives him. But he has a lot of ministry in Muslim countries around the world. And he said he was speaking with a Muslim, young Muslim man. And the Muslim man was having very deep trouble with the idea of Christianity, particularly about forgiveness and grace. Because this young Muslim had been taught his whole life that forgiveness is for those who deserve it. And Ravi said to him, if forgiveness is only for those who deserve it, then it isn't forgiveness. So we have to remember our place, that God is not Santa Claus. He's not in heaven making a list and checking it twice. He's not looking down to see who he can get. Christmas shows us our place because it shows who God really is. And 1 John chapter 4 beautifully says... This is what real love is. Not that we loved God, but God first loved us. Sent his son to die in our place. That we don't have to convince ourselves that God is on our side. Because he already is. He always has been. That Jesus' birth throws open the false identification of God that he's out to get you. Or that he's a judge that's angry with you. No. He wants you just to know who he really is. But before we can re receive that truth, we have to remember our place. That we're a people in great darkness. And we can't do it ourselves. And that's actually good news. See, the baby that we read about in Matthew chapter 1, the baby we saw in the video, little baby Jesus, little 8 pounds, 6 ounce baby Jesus, he didn't come to change God's mind about you. God has always been on your side. That baby came to change your mind, our mind, about God. To shed light on the truth. To help us remember our place. To stop pretending and start preparing. Our hope isn't in our goodness, but only in Jesus' righteousness. And we can know our place because he has been in our shoes before. That remembering Jesus' place, where he is now, especially in heaven, helps us to remember our place. That Jesus' name, Emmanuel, doesn't mean God was with us. 
It means God is with us. We sing joy to the Lord, joy to the world. We say joy to the world. The Lord is come, right? Not was come. And Jesus has been there. Think about these things as I read. Have you ever been poor? Have you ever been unsure of where you would sleep at night? Have members of your own family turned away from you with contempt? Have you ever been misunderstood? Slandered? Criticized by others as they protect their own selfish agenda? Have you ever been betrayed by someone that you felt, someone that you've been good to? Have you ever been in that place deep, deep within that you felt forsaken by God? If you answered yes to any of those, which I think everybody would on at least a few of them, Jesus would say, me too. He's been there. And we remember his place. It helps us know our place. And the entire journey of Jesus from the manger to his perfect life, to the cross, and even to the the end of the Bible, Revelation. It was all for one purpose. And the angel, the messenger that God sent with a message from God, the angel nails it where the angel says, He has come to save you from your sins. He's come to put, help you remember your place. And in Revelation chapter 5, this ultimate culmination of Jesus' whole journey as child and eventual sacrifice Revelation chapter 5, there's this scroll that is supposed to be opened. And it would essentially redeem the earth back to God's hand, away from Satan's clutches. And John the Apostle begins to weep because no one is worthy to break the scroll. No one on heaven or on earth could do it. And an elder tells him, do not weep. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Again, you see that line of David has prevailed to open the scroll and loose the seven seals. And Jesus was worthy to take the scroll. Now we know why he is called the Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace. That he calls us to remember our place. I think when, G- when Joseph was standing next to the, the, the manger... I I can't even begin to maybe fathom what that guy was feeling as he's holding this child that he did not conceive, but that God did. And now he was in charge of watching over his life as he grew. Truly, it was humbling. And could Joseph have known what was to come? That eventually, as we see in Revelation 5.13... That the culmination of that child's life would result in him breaking that scroll and redeeming heaven and earth. And John records, he, he heard this, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing, To the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That when we remember the place of Jesus, that he is enthroned in glory in heaven, that it helps us know our place. That there is a hope for our future that nothing can do away with. And just as God did it then, he can do it now. Let us pray together. God in heaven, thank you.
Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your faithfulness to Joseph that through his life you show so much of your faithfulness, God, that you, you loved him enough to say, hey, remember. Hold fast. Remember your place in this story. And I pray for anyone here today that's struggling, that they're trying hard to follow you and maybe they're starting to doubt. They're starting to wonder if this was the right decision to make. God, may they be encouraged to know, God, that you have a purpose and a plan for each of us. You call us to remember our place, to see, God, that you're using us in the world in ways that we can never imagine, but that in your hands you will work them out for your glory. So encourage, God, and strengthen those faith here today that, that truly need it. Lord Jesus, we thank you, especially, that as you were born, you were born to give us life. All life to people that whoever put their trust and faith in you that simply believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that they can have that same life from here on this earth and into the life to come. Thank you, O oh God. We worship you. We praise you. We offer this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.